Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Dr. Manoj Mathur, and I'm here today with uh, Dr. Bernard Ashby, talking about forward thinkers of medicine here. Welcome. Uh, just a little bit of background about both of us here. Uh, I'll start with myself. I'm a, a primary care physician. I've been in private practice for the past 17 years, uh, uh, working right outside of Washington, D.C., I, I uh, treat a lot of diabetes, blood pressure, chronic diseases, and I've been, you can say, uh, in the trenches uh, of good healthcare for the past 17 years as being a primary care physician. Uh, uh, very um, big on mental health uh, and overall wellness. Uh, I, I love to incorporate things like meditation. Uh, different breathing techniques as part of a holistic way of overall health care. I myself, I've been a meditator for the past 25 years. I'm affiliated with the Art of Living Foundation, uh, where they teach these self-development and breathing technique courses uh, that have shown so much medical benefit, um, including over 70 independent studies of its health benefits. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, Dr. Asby, you want to take over, introduce yourself, maybe? So, uh, Manuj introduced himself. My name is Bernard Ashby, formerly known as Dr. Bernard Ashby. But, uh, you know, my family calls me B, or you can call me Ashby if you're the homie. And I'm actually based down here in Miami, Florida. I'm a proud uh, Florida boy of Caribbean descent. My um, mom is from St. Kitts, and my dad is from Aruba slash Grenada. Um, I am a vascular cardiologist, um, and uh, I trained in New York, D.C., and in Florida, so I've been around the block a few times, but now I'm back home doing what I love to do. Uh, in terms of my background, I already mentioned that I'm a vascular cardiologist, but I'm also a health policy expert, uh, just all-around community advocate, and uh, I would like to consider myself a... Um, a forward thinker, which is apropos, of course, but uh, not in the traditional way. I'm always looking at non-traditional uh, solutions to our problems. And when I mean non-traditional, I mean non-Eurocentric uh, ways to our problems. I've been, you know, formally indoctrinated, meaning I went to school for about 15 years last training, and I pretty much learned all I can learn from, uh, you know, grade school through med school through grad school. And I've been formally indoctrinated, like I said, but since I've graduated, I've went on a journey to re-educate myself because a lot of what I've learned is, is miseducation. And there's some things that are totally appropriate and I apply. As you can see, I'm a vascular cardiologist and I apply evidence-based medicine. However, I've learned uh, through history, policy, 
and so much other um, you know avenues of information that what I've learned is is only from one perspective. And so this is a new show. Um, Manoj and I recently met, and you're going to see my growth as I learn more. Um, I'm about uh, what do you call it? I'm about four years out of inst institutionalization, meaning that uh, from kindergarten or actually preschool through uh, my, my first job out of medical school, I was with an institution. Now I'm completely independent and that has uh, initiated this huge um, evolution in my thinking. And it's because I've been able to look at other sources of information and appreciate that uh, and, uh, and try to incorporate it not only in my practice, but in my everyday life. And so I, that's why I think Manoj and I are a great combi combination because uh, he and I uh, both have been formally educated. However, we also practice alternative forms of medicine and living. And so what we hope to get across is that uh, not everything that we know uh, in uh, Western medicine is in our formal journals, meaning New England Journal of Medicine, Lancet, what else am I missing, Manoj? JAMA, you know, uh, BMJ, they, they are not the holy grail. The, this is a world, this is an entire world, a lot of diversity, and there's a lot of, lot of medicine, a lot of facts, a lot of um, information that's been hidden from us slash not taught to us. And what we serve to do is incorporate what we learn, but also realize our blind spots and apply new information as we learn it and like I said, I am humble about that, meaning that uh, I know that I'm, I'm actually new to alternative uh, forms of information. But at the end of the day, it has to be quality information. Manoj, do you want, want to say something? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a journey, like you said, we're all growing, we're all learning every day. Even though I've been in private practice for 17 years, I've worked hospitals, nursing homes, private clinics, uh, you know, every day I feel like I learn something new. So for us to sit here and say that this is the only way, that's just not right. You know, there's so much out there. The, the, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. The more you can so-called prove, whatever you prove, you can actually disprove. Mm -hmm. So, so this, is, this is a journey. Uh, and what I've found so beneficial um, in helping patients heal, because that's that's the business that you and I are in. We're here to, you know, heal people. And, and yes, that may mean diabetic medications, heart medications, cholesterol medications. But then, how do we incorporate other parts of health? Like, how do we how do we talk about diet? That's not something we were formally taught, and it's such a critical piece of the puzzle. How do we talk about stress reduction? Right? That's another critical piece of the puzzle. Stress is linked to so many different diseases, but we don't even touch on that. We're like, okay, here's a pill. See you later. And there's no good infrastructure either for, for somebody who really wants to reach out saying, hey, I have anxiety. I have, uh, I have depression. What do we do for them? We have such a poor infrastructure set up for them, for them to even talk to people. And most of the people who have mild to moderate disease, well, they take medications for a short time frame. And what I've seen is that they just say, it does me no good. You know, so, so what are we actually doing? We're, we're just following one pathway, which is why my eyes got opened. 
uh, after practicing for many years and saying that, hey, what we're doing, it's just not working. There has to be something else that we can do. There has to be a way that we can help people's immunity stay stronger. There has to be a way that we can get people to eat healthier. Right now, if you look at the media, if you, if you look at television, you're going to see these amazing ads for fast food restaurants, right? It's $5, $6. You get a full meal. You get a, you get a drink with it. It tastes great. But you know what? It wreaks havoc on the system. Right. It's it's one of the big the diet is one of the biggest causes for, you know, childhood obesity, for diabetes. These are epidemics that we're facing with. And just simple education in terms of diet, it can flip that whole thing around. But I don't know if they really want that to happen. Do they really want you to know what's happening out there in the world of healthcare? And And when uh, Bernard and I met a couple of days ago, literally a few days ago, uh, we really saw eye to eye on healthcare. So I, I'm, I'm so happy to be here with you, and uh, hopefully this will be one of many uh, conversations that we have, uh, and we would love to hear from the listeners on what topics they would want to talk about. But I think, uh, Bernard, today, I think one of our topics is on COVID and natural immunity. This is It's Ms. Max, Health and Culture, owner of ministryandwellness.com. What is natural immunity? Natural immunity is created when a person becomes infected by a disease. Take, for instance, someone who becomes infected with chickenpox. After the initial infection, the body builds immunity against the disease. This natural active immunity is why people who catch chickenpox are immune for many decades against the disease. Now back to forward thinkers of medicine. I think that's a hot topic right now in the general public. And I think uh, maybe I can ask you to maybe clear up some misconceptions about COVID as well as the vaccination. I would love to, um, Manoj. So a couple of things, a couple of updates. So at the time of this recording, it is September 21st, 2021. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday. And uh, I guess we're kind of transitioning into the fall now. So the big updates that are happening right now, one, uh, the U.S. Uh, finally uh, retreated and left uh, Afghanistan. Um, the uh, Pfizer uh, organization has recently released uh, basically a press release indicating that uh, children um, respond well to their uh, vaccination, which is the lower dose of the uh, Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. So the normal dose is 30 micrograms. They gave about 10 micrograms uh, to children and they're seeking emergency youth authorization for uh, children five to 12. Uh, currently, the Pfizer vaccine at the normal dose is uh, approved for 12 and up. Uh, also, J&J recently released a press release uh, indicating that their booster um, gives a uh, effectiveness of about 94% against uh, symptomatic uh, disease. And, and to be clear, um, a lot of people get this wrong. When you get infected with the SARS coronavirus, you don't, you, you do not necessarily have COVID-19. COVID-19 is a clinical diagnosis. So you cannot test positive for COVID-19. You can only test positive for SARS corona two virus, coronavirus two, which if you develop symptoms becomes COVID-19, kind of like how HIV becomes AIDS. And according to that that uh, press release, which data hasn't been released yet, apparently the 
uh, two-dose regimen when extended longer than six months gives you uh, a protection against any symptoms, but it's unclear if they looked at the Delta variant. And so uh, again, the devil's in the details. Um, also, uh, in terms of big um, news, uh, we all saw, saw what's going on in Haiti, uh, at least with the Haitian immigrants who are trying to cross the border. Uh, that's a big deal. So that's out of the scope of medicine, but anything Haiti is related to uh, everything, uh, especially health healthcare. So um, we, we may touch on that later. So those are the big updates from the news. Um, now, Manoj um, basically explained that I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, but specifically natural immunity. And I would like to start off with the premise that, um, or the perspective that I don't trust our government, I don't trust the CDC, I don't trust the FDA, but I do understand a lot about them. Remember, I was formally educated uh, and in addition to uh, my medical education, I, I got a degree in policy at Princeton. And so government is sort of my specialty, but particularly healthcare is my specialty, uh, also domestic policy and even some international policy. And uh, knowing my history, knowing my policy, I noticed that you know our government, our healthcare has done a lot of fucked up shit, okay, straight up. And uh, based on that information, I understand that it, it just doesn't stop when they get discovered. Uh, we only know what we what we know, and so you're left to assume that if you continually get caught doing things that are um, uh, not the truth, uh, so to speak, then you're probably still doing it. And basically, what I've realized is that we live in a capitalist system, and uh, everything. Uh, in our country has been privatized to some degree. And uh, even public services are uh, motivated by revenue. And that's particularly true within healthcare, where uh, the majority of healthcare is uh, solely based on generating revenue, uh, which ultimately uh, becomes profit, depending on how you run your organization. And what I've noticed during the pandemic is that there's been a lot of profit-driven motives, uh, particularly as it pertains to our therapeutics related to COVID-19. And we see that our government has went out of its way to not only subsidize these therapeutics to private companies using taxpayer funds, but also um, uh, essentially in ensure that uh, they're gonna make money by uh, purchasing the product uh, out of taxpayer funds. So they're winning on the back, the front end and the back end. So uh, gotta love it. And with regards to the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a couple of things that have come up that I have noted through my studies uh, related to the pandemic. One, um, I believe, and I cannot prove this definitively, that the virus came out of uh, a Wuhan lab. Now, the um, opposition to that argument is based on the actual um, structure of the virus, meaning that uh, it does not appear to, be, to have been modified and the reported um, lineages or the uh, SARS-CoV-2 viruses that they SARS-CoV-2 that they were studying in that Wuhan lab does not appear to be similar in homology or similar in structure 
to uh, the current virus that's causing the pandemic. With that said, I find it hard to believe that Wuhan, of all places, uh, became the um, the uh, birthplace of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And I also find it hard to believe that it came from a wet market. And that's predominant theory. Uh, however, more governments and more um, citizens are increasingly suspicious of that theory. What we have found is that um, we cannot definitively, definitively prove that this virus came from uh, jump species and entered uh, human circulation through essentially um, natural slash unnatural uh, circumstances, meaning that the virus, what they're saying is transitioned from a bat to some intermediate species to humans. Um, and that's because of the wet market, which has a lot of wild animals that never come into close proximity in the wild, but in the wet market, you are creating that artificial environment where uh, viruses can uh, go from one species to another through intermediaries. And the reason why that is a leading theory, at least on paper, is the fact that SARS-1 or SARS uh, in, came about through that um, uh, mechanism or um, I guess evolution. And uh, that was in 2002, 2003. And in uh, 2012, more or, more or less, you had the MERS, which is another SARS virus that came from bats that uh, originated in Saudi Arabia through the same mechanism, which they've been able to trace back. And now with this current virus, uh, which was discovered in Wuhan, China, more or less in November of 2019, um, the question is, did, did this follow the same path? Now. I'm not sure. No one has been able to definitively prove that. But what I do know is that the Wuhan lab was the only lab in China that was doing uh, modification of viruses to infect humans. Um, people call it gain-of-function research, but that's a lot of semantics because people define gain-of-function differently. I don't care what the name is. What I do know is that the spike protein on the coronavirus, the spike protein is a protein that the virus uses to dock onto cells, was modified in that lab for the purposes of infecting human tissue. And um, MIT, uh, their review um, magazine, did a great piece on this. Also, The Guardian did a great piece on it. And also, believe it or not, The Washington Post did some great uh, investigative journalism on gain-of-function research, but call it whatever you want, because that's what the media argues about, what gain-of-function means. I don't give a shit. You modified the virus to infect humans. And uh, the leading coronavirus researcher was actually based out of, out of a lab in North Carolina, and his research was shut down by the Obama administration because they were concerned about that research leading to an outbreak. Um, what What's going on at that point was that he was actually uh, doing it under strict security, but there was a moratorium on his research. And during that time, he actually went to the lab, um, the head of the lab in Wuhan, who he then taught how to reverse engineer these viruses so that they can then modify them and do the same research. The purpose of the research was to 
um, design therapeutics in case a, another virus was to arise, such as SARS or MERS. And the NIH did sponsor the research that was going on in her lab. At some point, that researcher and others were able to resume their research and they became competitors. The Wuhan lab was outpacing uh, the labs in the US because they were not doing it under strict security and therefore they, they were able to uh, move much faster in their research. And in fact, they published a paper showing a proof of concept essentially, uh, showing that they were able to modify a virus that was discovered in a bat in a cave and they modified it to infect human cells. Um, that was just one uh, virus. We don't know what other viruses they were working on and that's currently the reason why people don't believe it's the same virus is because when they look at the virus that was actually published, they say it's not the same, which is the truth, but they're not gonna publish every virus that they're working on, obviously. So uh, that's kind of the, you know, the okie doke. But long story short, or because it's already a long story, uh, this research was going on in Wuhan. The NIH, through uh, another company uh, that they were funding, uh, sponsored the research in this Wuhan lab. And uh, the fact that the virus, um, the SARS coronavirus 2, was discovered in Wuhan, to me, seems so improbable uh, that it's hard not to believe that this somehow came out of that research, but I cannot prove that. So that's what I know. Um, the next thing that I'm dubious about with regards to our government is natural immunity. And uh, essentially, there's been a ton of studies that have indicated that natural immunity is at least on par with vaccine immunity. And what, what, I mean, what do I mean by natural immunity? I mean that your immunity after getting infected from the virus is just as good as someone who's been vaccinated. In fact, the folks who were infected with SARS, which had a high mortality rate, and MERS, which had a high mortality rate, they were able to contain those before they became pandemic slash epidemic slash pandemics. Um, they, those people who, who were able to survive because the mortality rate was between 10 and 30%, they're still immune today. Very important, okay? They're still immune today. And Nature actually did a very good study in vitro or um, uh, ex vivo, depending on how you want to frame it, but basically looked at the immune uh, response in people who are recovered or who have natural immunity um, and determined whether or not they look or are likely to have lifelong immunity. And the conclusion of that study was that yes, they are. And again, that's what you would expect based on the previous um, uh, research and experience with the SARS coronavirus uh, lineages. And so uh, our government is purposely ignoring this information and telling the public that natural immunity is, is inferior or not protective enough when in fact it is. And uh, you'll, you'll have to Google this and hopefully um, you know, our producers will post some links for you. But um, Israel published very good data that indicated natural immunity was actually superior to inferior to vaccine immunity, as did Qatar, as did the Netherlands, as did um, Cleveland Clinic, as did uh, the SpaceX study, all of which were consistent. And this is hundreds of thousands of patients across multiple variants across time 
which show that people who have been previously infected have a very low uh, reinfection rate, but more specifically, uh, a reinfection that causes uh, severe COVID-19 causing hospitalizations or death. And what you notice about our media is that when they report um, COVID-19 cases now, they break it up into the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, totally ignoring the recovery. And this, again, excuse our perspective on national immunity. Now, with that said, there are good indicators, not strong or undeniable indicators that if you get one dose of the mRNA vaccine, you, you develop what we call hybrid immunity. And so um, if you develop hybrid immunity, you are considered to be more protected than somebody with either vaccine immunity or natural immunity. And so I've taken up a lot of time talking. And so uh, Manoj, I want you to you know, go ahead and give me your perspective on that. But I also, you know, I, like I said, I begin with the perspective of uh, a rational distrust of our government. But again, I go to original source and try to get as much objective quality data to form my perspective and uh, conclusions if I'm able to get to that point. Yeah, no, I think that was really insightful. I, I, I myself learned quite a bit. Right now, as of today, uh, in the US, we have over 40 million cases that we know that are confirmed. And the guess is, is that probably 90 million more people have had uh, COVID, either asymptomatic or, uh, you know, they just never went in and got confirmed to, to have it. So our natural Im immunity, uh, like Dr. Ashby was mentioning, it's really underestimated. So, you know, we have different parts to our immune system. Everybody talks about these neutralizing antibodies, right? And and yes, <laughs> that, that's one arm of, of our uh, immunity. And so what happens when you get the uh, when you get COVID infection, uh, you have neutralizing antibodies as well as your T cells. Uh, they tend to uh, have good cell response globally. Whereas if you get vaccinated, you have good neutralizing antibodies, but your T cell is only focused, it, it only understands how to work on the spike protein. So, so yes, there's a limit there. That's number one. And number two, when you get COVID naturally, so we're calling that natural immunity, you also get something called mucosal immunity, right? And that's actually the first line of our defense, which is a, a very critical thing. Um, so, so that being said, uh, we, we actually have a caller from North Carolina, I think. Yeah, I want to know why stem cells and breast milk hasn't been explored as a treatment and before synthetic RNA. Why is there such a push for synthetic RNA? Why, why are we not pushing preventative matters and actually pushing health? Yeah, so your your immune system, and, I, and I'll I'll let Bernard uh, chime in after this. So so the, actually, one of our next topics is is how do we boost our immune system? How how do we keep you can, our, boost, you can boost the immune immune system with breast milk? Right. So 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 there are multiple natural ways to keep your immune system tip top and and fighting this virus to to the best that they so, can. So then so then why? Well, I have a question about does. Does RNA vaccine make you technically transhuman? No. 
that see see this is where the the misinformation kind of pops in and i'll let bernard kind of handle this because yeah. uh, this is there is a lot of it, it, there is a lot of uh, information out there but the answer is no it does not make you trans well, well but before you go there manoj i, I want to make sure i'm not missing out on information caller uh can, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, uh that uh the uh, information you have and see if maybe we can learn something from you. Okay. I said, why is that being pushed so hard above stem cell research, above breast milk for um, treatment? You know, uh, uh, for instance, you have a woman who is asymptomatic, who mm -hmm. is breastfeeding a child who has had COVID-19. She has built immunity from this. And, and it is in her breast milk. Why is that not being explored? Why is there okay, such got it, got it. to take a synthetic RNA vaccine? Okay, so well, well, I'll just answer the question, okay? So um, she asked a very good question. So basically, when someone is, is infected with the virus, um, they produce antibodies at that point. And, and Dr. Manoj uh, touched on this uh, briefly, but what I'm gonna use is, is regular terms to explain the immune system, because the immune system is very complicated. I mean, uh, it's it's so complicated that no matter how much you study, you're still going to meet mess things because you have uh, innate immunity, you have um, adaptive immunity, you have the uh, um, you have the uh, cell mediated response, you have the antibody response, you have uh, so much, you have chemokines, you have cytokines, right? There, there's so much to the immune system that when you talk about it, it's kind of like uh, describing uh, an elephant with, you know, uh, what's the term? Like a blind man describing an elephant touching one part. And so uh, the immune system, again, is complicated. And when someone is infected with covid the, the SARS coronavirus, which can cause COVID-19 disease, um, even if they don't develop COVID-19, AKA become symptomatic, they still develop an immune response. And they, they do it in a number of ways, one of which is developing antibodies, but they also develop memory B and T cells, which are instrumental in also fighting off the virus and uh, stimulating antibodies. Now, I describe antibodies as like bullets, okay? And uh, the B cell is like the gun. And when the, um, the ops show up or the bad guys, you start spraying the antibodies or the bullets to neutralize the ops, all right? And basically they are part of the immune system that is very effective at preventing the virus from entering the cells. And so, the neutralizing antibodies are the antibodies that bind to the spike protein, which is the protein on the on the virus. Now, I'm going to describe the virus as like a car, and the headlight is the spike protein. And we shoot bullets that are targeted specifically to that right headlight, which is the spike domain. And that right headlight is what's responsible for that car getting into the cell. And so the vaccines are targeted towards that. When you're infected, you don't just develop antibodies or bullets to the headlight, you develop bullets to the entire car. And the most effective bullets are the ones that are, are the neutralizing antibodies, which are 
the, the bullets or the antibodies that bind to that right headlight or the spike protein. And it prevents that car from entering the cell. Because uh, the bullets don't kill you, they just kind of get in that uh, crevice and prevent the docking. And so when you're infected, uh, you produce these antibodies. And this is actually why bre breastfeeding is so important because the mother's immune system confers protection to their child because if they're uh, breastfeeding, they then uh, get the antibodies from the mom and they're protected as well. So they have their own antibodies. Now, we've actually been working with that mechanism, but not through breast milk, but through blood. And that's convalescent plasma, where we take the blood from people who have recovered from the virus and we filter it down and then we give it to people who are sick, who haven't produced their own antibodies yet to, to then neutralize the virus before it makes them too sick, okay? And that's really the most efficient way of doing exactly what that caller mentioned. Getting it from breast milk is limits you because you only, you're only dealing with women who are producing milk and that's a relatively small supply than all the people who are recovered. And our ability to get those antibodies out is, is much more efficient using uh, uh, convalescent plasma than breast milk, just based on our technology. And so uh, to answer her question, why don't we use it? We're not using breast milk, but we are using convalescent plasma, which has been shown to be you know, hit or miss. And, and the reason why it's been missed in, in uh, the real world clinical setting is because those antibodies are given too late. And so with uh, the COVID-19 disease, people don't die from the actual virus. They, do, they die from the immune response to the virus, meaning that their immune response goes crazy. And so it, it's like, uh, you know, if you have a, 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 um, a terrorist in the middle of, a, of New York City and you, and you drop the nuclear bomb to kill that terrorist, well, you also kill all of the innocent people as well. And that's what our immune system does. And so when the virus gets in our lungs, for example, the entire immune system goes and, and, and like gangs up on the virus and they actually kill the virus, but they actually cause a pneumonia and damage the lung tissue in the process, which then causes you not to breathe. And that's why so many patients with severe COVID-19 uh, have low oxygen levels because the immune system is overreacting to the virus and in the lungs. And so, this is where science is, is important because you want to catch the virus in the early phase before it replicates and, and infects other tissue and triggers that immune response. Because if you then give the, the virus, the neutralizing antibodies at that point, it's too late. And you're, again, you're dealing with the immune response. And this is what we saw in the 1918 flu pandemic where younger people died at a much higher rate because younger people had healthier, more robust immune systems. And so when they came in contact with the Spanish flu, which is a pejorative term, and it probably didn't come out of Spain, but uh, you know that's what we do. <laughs> and, and when they got infected with the influenza virus, younger people died at a much higher rate because their immune system would just go crazy and they would die. And we didn't have mechanisms to support them. And an, another uh, tidbit or factoid is that we recently passed a death toll for the from the 1918 flu pandemic with COVID-19 pandemic. And so um, the caller asks, why don't we talk about the uh, like natural ways? And we're gonna get into that very soon. 
But the important um, thing to realize is that she is right. Like, like the body needs to be supported in order to fight off attacks. And so if you're, if you exercise, if you eat well, if you have good um, nutrition, meaning that you eat foods with antioxidants and vitamins and minerals and, and so on and so forth, your immune system is more um, able to fight off a virus, but also your body is able to survive that nuclear blast, uh, so to speak. One of the vitamins that we've noted is that the uh, is vitamin D. Uh, people who are low in vitamin D do very poorly with COVID nineteen disease. And so I'll let uh, Manaj get into that. Manaj get into that really quickly, but quickly on on the uh, mRNA vaccines, um, they don't do anything to modify your DNA. And a lot of people have said otherwise, but um, I just know too much about it. And it's like somebody who doesn't know anything about cars telling me that the car is running off of, um, you know, sugar water. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I, I just can't, I, I like, I just like, look at the car, look at the, the, the pistons. And like, I just know too much about the mechanics of the, the vaccine to, uh, to really entertain that um, conspiracy because again, it just doesn't work that way. Essentially, uh, what RNA is, is a genetic blueprint. And so your DNA is actually what tells uh, the RNA what to do. So your DNA is part of your genetic code. And so the DNA exists inside of the nucleus and then it produces the RNA, which leaves the nucleus of the cell and then goes to the ribosome which is your, your copy machine, which is like today, like the 3D copy machine, which then produces uh, a protein based on an amino acid backbone. And so what the mRNA technology uh, serves to do is basically, um, instead of waiting on your DNA to give a message, it gives your ribosomes a different message. And so uh, your ribosomes get the message, produce the spike protein of the virus. And then instead of you getting infected with the virus, you just have the spike protein in your blood and then your immune system recognizes it as foreign and develops antibodies and memory B and T cells that recognize that spike protein, get rid of the spike protein in your blood. And then if you get infected with the actual virus and it has that spike protein or that headlight, it says, oh, oh, I, I know this op, right? I've seen, I seen this, this, this dude before. And then it deploys a targeted immune response, which prevents the immune system from going crazy and, and causing that um, uh, systemic inflammatory response that actually kills people. And so again, the RNA vaccines, um, it's technology, it works very well. Uh, China actually started making their own mRNA technology. And I think the real conspiracy is that uh, our government uh, along with other subsidized actors were studying therapeutics on modified viruses well before uh, the pandemic happened. And that's at least part of the reason, I can't prove this, but it's, it just makes sense that the mRNA vaccines work so well is that they've been studying this in labs for a while. And now that we actually have a pandemic, they've been practicing forever with this and the mRNA vaccine uh, Part of the reason, or at least most of the reason why it was developed so quickly was because uh, it was already being studied prior to the uh, pandemic. 
which begs the question, um, why was this pandemic started? It could have been an accident. It could have been a leak. It could have been profit driven. I don't know, but I wouldn't put, put anything past anybody because what I do know is that uh, BioNTech, which was bought by, by um, Pfizer, is estimated to make 30 billion this year. Um, Moderna, which is an independent company, uh, is also slated to make 30 billion this year. And uh, they're incentivized to sell their product, which is the mRNA vaccines. And my main criticism with our government is that they're forcing people to get vaccinated uh, that don't necessarily need the vaccine, like those who are who have been who are recovered from the vaccine. And um, that's uh, part of our government being dishonest about it. And so that's essentially um, my take on the entire thing. So uh, I'm going to do one short time in because I was talking for a while, but I want I want to um, respect the caller and talk a little bit about uh, like the natural um, ways that we can um, improve our protection from pathogens. But in general, I mean, I'm a cardiologist and 80% of cardiovascular disease is preventable. And uh, the way you pre prevent it is not by medicine, it's by the way you live. One, uh, one interesting article I read was that she was talking about breast milk. So uh, mothers who are breastfeeding, who have gotten vaccinated, they can actually give those antibodies to uh, the child. So, so that was one interesting fact. Until date, j just so I know there's a little bit of uh, worry about these vaccines, we have put in, uh, not we, uh, the entire medical community has put in six billion, six billion vaccines into people's arms throughout the world. So that's 40%, 44% of the world has at least gotten one vaccination. So that means to me, that tells me that we have a lot of data uh, on how effective and relatively safe it is. But let's just say, you know, we want to talk a little bit about some non-pharmaceutical treatments for getting COVID. Well, but, uh, but before you get into that, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, again, we both agree with the caller that natural is better and you want to do things that you have control over and not depend on a medication or anything else for that matter for your health. However, there's no denying how vaccinations work because we know how the immune system works and the immune system is much more effective at attacking a pathogen or the ops when it, when it, has, the, when it has prior intel on that, on, the, on that ops. And that's what vaccines do. It gives you the information on the op before you actually see the ops or the pathogen, virus, bacteria. And so, so when, you, when the vac bacteria uh, infects you, your immune system is able to produce a targeted response because it's familiar with the opposition or the ops, okay? So um, that's why vaccines work. And yes, it's, it's technology, but you know, you know, we're, we're not using horse and horses and carriages anymore. We're not using, um, you know, we're flying planes. I mean, that's what happens when you have technology, but uh, but I do agree that a lot of the technology that we have is uh, is corrupted by profit motives. And so you have to tease out uh, the technology that is actually in the best interest of humankind versus in the best interest of uh, capital or profit. There you go. 
So you touched earlier about vitamin D and its role that it plays in, and vitamin D, it plays, it plays a very critical role in our immune system. It's actually, it's called an immune dilator. So it helps to control our immune system. 70% uh, of the world is actually immune uh, vitamin D deficient. That's 70%. So that puts you at higher risk for getting infections here. So so what vitamin D does is it helps to decrease some of your pro-inflammatory cytokines. It really helps to regulate your immune system and it's easily available. Uh, right now we recommend uh, most people to take at least 2000 IU international units a day. So vitamin D being one thing that's been thoroughly studied uh, of the benefits uh, of helping to ward off uh, COVID as well as keeping your immune system humming. Uh, another one I think you all know very well is, is vitamin C. So uh, uh, one thing that uh, vitamin C does is that it's a very powerful antioxidant and it's good for your immune support. It, it helps to fight both bacterial as well as viral uh, infections. And it, it makes essentially uh, these cells called phagocytes, which are part of uh, our immune system. It eats up different pathogens it also makes our T cells uh, much stronger and it makes antibodies. So vitamin C, very critical piece of the puzzle. Now, many people think that drinking orange juice that you buy, uh, you know, I'm getting my daily vitamin C, but that orange juice that you're drinking from the store, that's actually boiled. And so it kills all the natural properties of vitamin C. So what they put in there, what, what the stores do is they put in something called ascorbic acid. So you're not getting the real vitamin C in your orange juice. So I would say get it from fresh uh, things such as oranges itself, lemons, broccoli, spinach, those types of things have quite a bit of vitamin C. Uh, another natural thing which has been studied quite well is zinc. Zinc is a big one. As a matter of fact, there was a study done in, in the Journal of uh, uh, Nutrients, and it said that those who have low zinc levels, meaning less than 50 micrograms, they have an increased risk of mortality by 21% as opposed to those who have normal levels at 5%. So a simple nutrient like zinc can really cut back your risk in terms of mortality. Uh, another thing that it showed, not only does it help in terms of cutting back the, the mortality, it shows recovery rates for people who had better zinc levels much faster, eight days versus 25 days. So zinc is, it's a cofactor in many immune processes. It helps with T cell growth. It helps with B cell activation, and it has direct antiviral processes. So these are all natural things that can help and boost your immune system so you can have a strong system. And, and, and I, I think it's something that you, you pointed out is very important. Natural is better, okay? Natural is always better. Fresh fruits and fresh vegetables are always better than the enriched stuff. And that's what they do. That's what, you know, how we get our food. They put vitamin D in bread and milk and and uh, and they put vitamin vitamin D in orange juice, they put vitamin C or ascorbic acid in orange juice. And uh, just because you have the, the, the name vitamin on there doesn't necessarily mean it's doing what it's what you expect it to do. But we do know that when you get it from natural sources, it's doing exactly what the hell it's supposed to do. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Right. So, so how do we recover from this, uh, uh, you know, from getting this infection? So those who are at higher risk, we, we know that the categories are uh, people who have diabetes, 
people who have heart disease, people who have hypertension, those who are obese, they have a higher risk of having bad outcomes. So diet is very critical. Cutting out the sugars, eating low carb, having moderate protein, eating the healthy fats. Generally speaking, that's the type of diet that we want. And like we talked about, getting in those different vitamins and nutrients. But there's a big uh, topic that hasn't been discussed, and that is how does stress work with your immune system? You know, a good night's sleep is very critical to a good, healthy immune system, right? And when you're stressed out like we are in society, uh, looking at the news, being bombarded with uh, all sorts of uh, information telling us we have to do this and, and take this and this is good and that's not good, stress really increases in your mind, tension, worry, anxiety. And on a physical level, different hormones increase. One that we know very well increases, is it's called the stress hormone, cortisol, right? And, and we know cortisol can really, excess cortisol can really ravage the body. Uh, but looking specifically at, at your immune system, it can definitely uh, weaken your immune response as well as your antibody response. Uh, so one of the ways that we help to fight stress is through meditation, and through different breathing exercises. So, um, Bernard, would you would you like to experience something? Yeah, okay, yeah, let's do it. All right. So, I wanted to teach you all and and the listeners out there the first breathing technique. It's called the bellows breath. This is Isma's Max, health and culture owner of MinistryandWellness.com. The bellows breathing, also known as stimulating breath, is a traditional yoga breathing technique used to energize the body increase alertness, and clarify the mind. It also has been used by many looking to lose weight by increasing digestive power and boosting metabolism. Now back to forward thinkers of medicine. Right, and and it's a very energizing breath. Uh, it, it really helps to uh, uh, calm the mind down as well. It's quite simple, and you can do it right there in your home. I want to show you. So all those who want to learn this, they have to, after we're done, we're going to put this up on, on the website, and so they can watch us do this breathing technique. So I'll go ahead and I'll demonstrate it here. You put your arms in a loose fist here, and elbows are nice and loose by the shoulders, and all the breathing is through the nose. We do... Uh, uh, a very uh, rapid and forceful inhalation through the nose in and out. So I'll demonstrate it really quick. So if you saw that Bernard, uh, you know, the, the elbows are loose, the hands, they go up. We do, we do a forceful inhalation and then the hands kind of open up and then we do a forceful exhalation through the nostril and the hands come down. And so we kind of keep our hands nice and, and loose, our elbows loose, keep it by the shoulders over here. And what we do is we do three sets of about 15 of these. Okay, so we do these with our eyes closed. I know we're really running short on time. So um, we'll go ahead and kind of do this. Uh, we can just take a regular breath in and let go. And we can begin, breathe in, hands up and down, exhale, in, out, in, out, 
forceful inhalation in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And you can relax, just keep your eyes closed. Your palms can be on your laps, facing up to the ceiling. Just become aware of your mind. We're gonna do two more sets of these breathing techniques with our eyes closed. Let's get ready for the second round. Hands in a loose fist by the shoulders, elbows nice and relaxed. You can take a regular breath in and breathe out and begin. Forceful inhalation in, out, 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 and you can relax, keeping your eyes closed, and keep your palms on your knees, palms facing the ceiling. Just keeping the eyes closed. Keeping an eye on your mind. Just see if your mind is calmed down. And take a deep breath in. And let go. We'll get ready for the third and final round of bellows breath. Let's take a deep breath in and let go and begin. Breathe in, out, 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 in, out. In, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, and relax, keeping the eyes closed, hands relaxed on the lap, palms facing the ceiling. If our producer Cindy can play the flute music in the background, we'll just do a quick meditation. Taking a deep breath in and let go. Take another breath in and let go.
Become aware of your physical body. Let's become aware of our feet. legs, abdomen, stomach, chest, arms, face, head, breath in and let go one more breath in and let go and very slowly and gradually at your own speed you can open your eyes. Wow. I enjoyed that. What are you feeling after doing it? Um, I'm feeling like a, I'm feeling high. Like I feel like, like I'm elevated. Um, I feel good. You feel a bit of a difference in the mind, like it's a little bit more calm, or you feel like it's a little bit more clear or energized. Yeah, um, when I was doing the exercise, I noticed that I was uh, resistant to it, mm -hmm. and like I was focusing on other things, and I was tense. But the more I did it, the more I relaxed, and uh, it feels good. It feels like it just feels good. <laughs> And yeah, this is, uh, we call this uh, Bastrika or bellows breath. It's a very energizing breathing technique. We, we uh, uh, the other nickname is something called like yogic coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of you shooting down the Starbucks or, or, or espressos, mm -hmm. you do a little bit of this breathing technique, uh, just three sets, uh, three rounds of about 15. Mm -hmm. and you just stay quiet for another one and a half to two minutes, boom, you're, you're, you're fresh, you're energized, you're ready to tackle things. 
Wow. So this is one of the breath um, breathing techniques, I should say, that we teach on the sky breath and meditation. You and I were talking about it a little bit of time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so uh, they teach you some some techniques that increase your energy, some techniques that, that you know, calm you down, bring your energy, you know, down instead of you're going all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and the main breathing technique that they teach is called the sky breath, which is just a harmonizing, getting everything back into the correct rhythm in the body. Uh, it's been extensively studied. So you this know, Sorry, this, this this made me realize that um, uh, this is a big reason why people do drugs, particularly marijuana, um, because like I, I got that that marijuana feeling just now, where um, I was able to, like to let go and and just uh, just go to a different place, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people, especially with anxiety or they, they just perseverate, they're just overthinking. Uh, marijuana kind of gives them a break. It depends on, marijuana affects people differently, but that I, I believe uh, the, the reason why I do marijuana on occasion is for that feeling that I just got just now. So I can get there without, you know. <laughs> you know the side you, effects, right, exactly. That's, that, that's, that's way better. And, and um, again, I'd rather do it that way than, uh, putting something in my body, um, natural or not, uh, it's still better if I depend on me. Uh, and one of the things that I also thought about was the science of it. I noticed that breathing like that would lower your CO2 levels and actually uh, make your body more alkaline. I don't know, there's a lot of literature and uh, thoughts about alkaline, um, uh, you know, foods and water and whatnot and changing your acid-base balance. Again, I'm a Western medicine guy. I know about it. I'm interested in learning about it, but I wonder if that's one of the mechanisms. I'm sure there's so many other things going on, but, you know, the science science nerd in me just couldn't help but think about that mechanism. (laughs) There's a lot of research, and and I'm happy to go over it with you. Uh, but just imagine, and literally, we we had hardly six to seven minutes, mm-hmm. and and just that quick six to seven minutes, it's like boom, you feel your your mind is relaxed. What happens is you come into the present moment. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was euphoric. Uh, it felt good <laughs> um, because uh, I guess euphoria can be misinterpreted in a number of ways. But I was just in a very pleasant place. Um, more relaxed and uh, that was that was that was enjoyable. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, all right. Well, it was great. Uh, thank so, you so much. Uh, it was wonderful being on the show, and uh, thanks to the listeners. And uh, we, we will see you soon, hopefully. So, so basically, this is our intro show. Um, you know, we're in a new, we're in new territory. We're in the Rona era. And this is our time in amongst all this reshaping of our society to put our marker on society. And it's important for us to realize that as different as we are, we all have similarities in that we know that something ain't right, that um, life could be better and that 
uh, a lot of what we do today is actually toxic or self-destructive. And we've learned that because of the society that we lived in, that we live in currently. And the pandemic is the greatest example of that between the people dying, between the misinformation, disinformation, between the agendas, between our states slash governments telling us what to do and, and using the opportunity to carry forth their own agendas. Uh, I think this is our, our time to make our impact and uh, help reshape the world in a way that we see fit. And this is not no magical unicorn uh, fairy tale thing. Uh, if you know anything about history, it's gonna take a lot more than just uh, you know good feelings and goodwill. It's gonna take very deliberate action. And as a healthcare professional, I understand the power of medicine and the power of uh, dealing with people's health. And so with the Rona era, what we hope to do is uh, both Minaj and I learn, but also evolve and, and use these opportunities amongst others to not only inform the public and, and allow the public to learn with us, but uh, be able to uh, inspire and uh, have people who are listening to, to become experts uh, as well and move this forward because right now our current health care system, our way of approaching health ain't it. Uh, and uh, the fact that we call it, we call it health care is a misnomer because it's really sick care. And it really begins from uh, the day you're born, actually begins from the day you're conceived. Uh, and we need to understand that. And I think um, as long as we're, our minds are open, I can learn anything from anybody. But also, I do have a skill set, and I will bring that to bear. But I won't, to, my, to the best of my ability, let it prevent me from taking in new information and, and evolving and learning. And so, I thank you all for coming. Uh, I, I thought things went well. I learned some stuff from Anoj, and I believe he learned some stuff from me. Uh, and definitely, I appreciate that. And I'm hoping that we build on that. So, with that said, welcome to the Rona era. This is. Should be the first of many shows, but we're still trying to work it out, and your feedback is going to be important. But you know, bless up and thanks for coming. Tune in. And thank you to the producers, uh, Jackie Quandras, Cindy Ashby, and it was a great first show. Uh, you're amazing as always, Bernard. And I guess we'll see you around soon. Yo, Take and, care. And just uh, and just one last one last thing is, of course, women are behind this. Black women are behind this. <laughs> You know, like they, they've always been saving the world and, and uh, they brought us together to do this show and uh, we're just following their lead. And so I appreciate y'all for taking the time to listen to us. Bless up. I give you project shit. We was young as posted up on that project fit. The rope was round the corner. Look it up. individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. On the wake up. How to sign up for OTWT. Type in OTWT in your browser. It will bring up the home page. Then you click the little man with the plus sign to open up an account. Use your best email. Select a username. And then enter a good secure password now you're at the home page click the key 
to log in to your account using your password with your username. Now search in the search bar for OTW2, which is the page we're going to subscribe to. Click subscribe, click add as friend, as well as click where the videos are. Click on a video to view, like that video, as well as comment. And your exercise is done. Thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Jackie Q, an owner of Joni Hair Skin and Wellness Products. All of our products are made by hand and infused with nature's healing powers, beautiful essential oils blended to perfection, and lots of love. Try our Butter Soft Shea and Fragrance Collection for women and for men, and our best-selling conditioning beard oil. We are now partnered with Coco Shea and her scented soaps that are heavenly. So please join the Joni family at joniproducts.square.site and on Instagram at Joni underscore products and Facebook at Joni Products FB. Spread the love. Coco Shema offers the best selection of our formulated natural organic hair and body care products at unbeatable prices. Our hair and body loving goodies have become synonymous with the quality of the highest industry standards. We ensure a continuous variety of fantastic products along with unique limited edition and seasonal items that fit any budget. Coco Shema creates handcrafted, decadently personalized body care products for total pampering and enrichment so that your mind is relaxed, your body feels better, and your soul is inspired. Come explore at www.cocoshema.com. That's www.cocoshema.com. Hi, I'm Maxine from Ministry and Wellness, your health and wellness advocate. Are you having problems relaxing? Maybe feeling a little stressed? You are not alone, but I've got the solution for you. Go to ministryandwellness.com for your alternative solutions to comfort or call me at area code 855-200-2774 to book your free consultation. No question is too small and don't be shy. I'm here to help and look forward to speaking with you. Hello, my name is Yashika Miller. I'm the owner of Organic Dispensary, LLC, 1-888-666-7322. Or you can reach me via website at OrganicDispensaryLLC.com. I sell CMA, the raw form, or either the gel. It's, it has 92 of the 102 minerals that the body is made of. It's a superfood. It also helps build up the immune system. That's one of our main sellers. We also sell black seed. It's great for everything. It's a great ancient remedy. And we also sell a little other product. Reach us at our website, which is organicdispensaryllc.com or give us a call at 1-888-666-7322. 
1-800-273-7322. And have a blessed day. Hola, I'm your hostess, Boricua Angie, and I'm on the Wake Up Radio Thursdays at 9. My show is called Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. That is also my IG handle and Gmail. The holidays, the winter is coming. I sell pasteles and coquito. And also, I do digital flyers. If you're interested, hit me up. I got my girls on, my swag's on.